listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch Zemar. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Zemar Podcast. Today is going to be a little bit of an exciting show. We're going to talk about how health insurance really works, so it's like Engineering 101. And then we're going to have an interview with a doctor of chiropractor. We're going to talk about claim experiences and access to care and a number of other things. So we'll see where that conversation goes. So I look forward to that. This episode, we're going to talk about, you know, just just the nuts and bolts of how health insurance actually comes together. And a lot of people don't understand how it works. So I thought it would be a good time to actually go through and explain some of the components because as many years that go by that people buy health insurance, they never really understand exactly how this whole thing works. And partly because they don't have enough skin in the game. Most people across America get their benefits or health insurance from their employer. They kind of just coast along until all of a sudden there's a problem. And then whatever preconceived idea you have is what you fight with at claim time. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're right, but it also doesn't mean that the provider is right. And that's what, if you have some clarity on what needs to be done uh, or how it's supposed to work, it'll be easier for the claim processing, at least to understand it. Because we get phone calls all the time, like, why am I getting this explanation of benefits that I might be responsible for like $12,000. And so what does that mean and how it goes through? So I'm only going to give you a high level overview. I'm not getting into a whole lot of details. There's case by case situations that occur. And as well as there's some more details to certain things, such as the line items on an explanation of benefits and why claims are denied. But that could be a whole nother topic that we may have to run put through. The first thing that most people look at is obviously a deductible. We buy auto insurance all the time, and that's common sense to you. There's a deductible in play. What's my deductible? Everybody fights for the lower deductible. The deductibles were put in place on health insurance to help reduce the premiums to make it a little bit more affordable. And obviously, in today's times, uh, deductibles are getting higher and higher. If you work for a decent size company or the union, your experience has been with low deductibles. Obviously, the premiums go down the higher deductible, premiums go up when you have a lower deductible. But the deductible kicks in for anything that's not a physician office visit or anything that really has a copay on your plan. So you have to know the details. So typically, it's a copay for the physician office visit or specialist, and a lot of times the prescription drugs. Outside of that, your deductible will always apply as a general rule. Even if your health insurance plan says, oh, you got a $300 copay for the ER, and in some cases that might be true, but be aware, and the reason why surprise billing occurs at claim time is you run to the ER thinking you only have to pay $300 and this thing is hurting you, and you pay the $300 at the time of service because that's what is listed on your insurance card, and only to find out that your balance billed $800 or $1,200 or whatever it might be. And, And the reason being is because People run to the ER for all the littlest things, and it's the most expensive place to get treatment for care for less than emergency items. And so if they're not life-threatening emergency or emergency based on a billing provider code from the provider, rather the claim code, just because you feel like it's an emergency doesn't mean that it's uh, represented as an emergency when it comes to claim time. 
There's some discrepancies with that. However, that's just the, the rule it is now. So people run to the ER for the littlest things. They expect certain things to be covered, and then they find out it's applied to your deductible. So just keep in mind, a general rule is most things will apply to deductible unless there's a copay listed on your policy. And the exception to that would be an ER visit where there's a high chance that that your deductible is going to kick in. The reason the copay is there before the deductible on an ER visit, for example, is just to make it a little harder to go through the deductible so that the actuaries at the insurance company could adjust the premium a little bit lower. That's really all the only reason that it's there. Now with the Affordable Care Act compliant plans, this could be small, small groups, company plans, to exchange plans where the copays do apply to the max out of pocket. We'll get to the max out of pocket for in a minute, but it does apply in the back end, just not the front end. So they make it harder to get through some things in the front, but at least you get allocation of cash towards uh, your limit. After you meet your deductible, you have this thing called coinsurance. Uh, sometimes it's listed as coins for short, and but it's coinsurance, which is really just cost sharing between you and the insurance company. Generally speaking, you get the smaller percentage and the insurance company gets the biggest one. The, again, the reason this was there is to start adjusting premiums the lower the premiums. Years ago, back in the 90s, you could buy a zero deductible 100% coinsurance plan and it was affordable for most people. Uh, obviously, times have changed, and I don't necessarily agree with those types of plans. It's just nice because we're spoiled and we don't want to have claims at claim time. But the reality is, is everything costs money in some fashion, whether you pay for it up front, you pay for it later. So it's all catching up to us now. But in order to lower the premium, they added coinsurance. It started out like 90-10. The insurance company paid 90%. You paid 10%. Then it went to 80-20. 80-20 is very common. And then now we're getting to 60-40s, 70-30s, and in some cases, actually nowadays on the exchange plans, it could be 50-50. Now, keep in mind this coinsurance is not 50% of the whole bill or 90% of the whole bill. It's a certain percentage related to the claim that's being processed. And so, for example, if you have an 80-20 plan, that's most common. You're responsible for 20% of that bill but it's only up to the maximum out of pocket. So your limit is, uh, you still have a financial limit on your side on a traditional plan. Uh, the non-traditional plans, the non-affordable care act plans, they don't have this kind of protection. So there could be uh, out of pocket expenses there above and beyond. But for our example, we're just talking about traditional health plans and there's a max out of pocket. So if you had a hundred thousand dollar bill, you pay your deductible, Coinsurance kicks in until you meet your max out of pocket, and then you're done. The insurance company pays the balance. Years ago, you were able, there was a cap, either a million, two million, five million dollars, and uh, those are gone now in most cases. And the non-affordable care act plans, they're still there, but you have a limit, and it's on a calendar basis. Every 12 months or January 1st, it will reset. Anything you pay throughout the year will contribute to that. The next thing up is the copays. This is an, a similar version or a smaller version of coinsurance. So they put your stop, financial stop, at a certain level. It could be ten dollar copay, twenty five, thirty, thirty five, fifty, sixty, whatever, hundred. It depends on what it is, what the the plan design is. But you pay your copay, and then it's a hundred percent. And so this is what we became used to throughout the years, especially during the HMO era. And then we're demanding it on the PPO structure, and it's been there for years. But it's definitely something that is in most plans, unless you have an HSA health savings account qualified plan or just a high deductible health plan. The copays uh, are generally a spoiled benefit, meaning that you get spoiled to have the benefit because when you get the sticker shock of what a true doctor visit costs instead of a $20 copay, 
you you think it's a ripoff, and it's a whole another conversation about how much a provider actually bills and get and receives. But for our discussion, there is a balance built to the insurance company. If you have a copay structure, then the insurance company picks up the tab. The reality is, is if you actually saw the breakdown of the actual cost to add a copay in there, and you actually saw the difference, and it was coming out of your own pocket, you might think twice about adding a copay to your plan. Just saying, you would ha- literally have to go anywhere from one to three times a month in order to break even on that additional cost. But that's why a lot of people go with the HSA or health savings account or high deductible plans to eliminate that and lower the premium more and then just put that extra money into a health savings account and use that for claim time. Health savings accounts we'll probably address at another time. I'm a big fan of them. It's just not for everybody, but there's a lot more details to that. Let's talk about a little bit about networks, and when we get to our interview with Dr. Brannigan, we'll talk a little bit about provider networks. But uh, provider networks is kind of like a gatekeeper to get access to healthcare. And the insurance company negotiates contracts or reimbursement rates with the providers, and to allow you to go. And it could be on an HMO structure or PPO structure, and it just depends on which plan. But there's always been a restriction. PPO does not let you go anywhere you want never been that way so uh, it's just that you've been lucky enough on PPO plans in the past that you didn't have that restriction because everybody took the plan you were on but there's always been uh, it's called managed care and managed care has been around a long time years ago back when, when on another podcast we talked about the history of health insurance back in the day when health insurance was slowly evolving it was an open access plan so when doctors weren't required to be part of a network to get paid and so it was completely different than it is now. But the reason for the networks is to really to control costs. The insurance company gets a little bit of leverage to negotiate some of the claims. But the providers are actually the end game that have control. The big providers, not the small practices, because they could kind of dictate what they want for certain things. That's why an aspirin's what, hundreds of dollars at a hospital, because they could dictate the price. And then the insurance company negotiates some discount based on a price that they're given. And that's a whole other topic altogether. But that's what a network is. So then we have claims. When you get claims, that's what the explanation of benefits come in. And there's line items for date of service versus the actual date you actually receive the explanation of benefits. The insurance company may not send the explanation of benefits right away, but anything processed or anything medically that you're doing has to be processed through, through an insurance company. And so there should be an explanation of benefits that match an invoice that shows up. You should never pay an invoice without consulting with the insurance company and reviewing it with the explanation of benefits. If you're receiving an invoice that doesn't match an explanation of benefits, you should challenge the provider while you're receiving it. There are so many providers that go ahead and send invoices out even though the insurance is processing or maybe they didn't send it to the insurance company and people just pay the bill and blindly. And so if they don't do these checks, Uh, and they know that people don't, you're going to overpay for some bills. So you have to be really careful and match up these bills. Not saying don't trust providers, but I'm just saying that trust but verify. Uh, Because there are times where there are mistakes, and it goes both ways. You might challenge it, and the bill might be actually more than what it actually originally said. But that gives you a little chance to negotiate the difference. But then the uh, flip side is you can negotiate and say, well, why am I being billed for this? And the insurance company said it's not an authorized claim. There's been a lot of times we've called, and all of a sudden the provider's like, oh, yeah, you're right. It was supposed to be part of that other claim. And so, and then it disappears. 
so it's quite amazing how what kind of practices that are being involved. That's a whole other topic um, altogether because I think there's a lot of fraud involved that goes to claim time. Again, trust but verify. I would not push it too far, but um, it's definitely something that you need to keep an eye on because people definitely overpay when they don't need to. There's balance billing. The insurance company has a contract with the provider and the provider actually um, agrees that they won't balance bill if they feel they're worth more and they, they're shortchanged. Outside of that, they can, but there are providers that do balance bill and not say anything, and people still pay it. So you just need to be careful of the balance billing. And then, of course, any payments that you need to make is negotiable because cash is king. So don't be afraid to call up and say, I can't afford this, or uh, what kind of deal can you make me? The bigger the provider, the easier it is for a discount. It's not going to be like a 50-60% discount. It could be, but don't expect that. But they might say, okay, if you pay right now, we'll give you 5% prompt payment payment discount. And obviously you just save 5%. And so depending on the size of the bill, that could be substantial enough to make a motivation. The other thing is maybe you don't have the money, then you just work out payment arrangements with them. If you own a business, Elite Benefits of America wants to remind you that health insurance open enrollments are either happening now or coming very quickly. And this is the time to review and implement a health care plan to make or keep you as the employer of choice. Deadlines for open enrollment range between November 1st and January 1st. Get ahead of the curve. The Small Business Special Enrollment Period, part of the Affordable Care Act, now allows employers with 49 employees and under to offer health benefits without contributing a dime to the employee plan. Help your employees save money on taxes with health insurance they're already paying for with their hard-earned dollars. Butch Zemar from Elite Benefits of America wants you to reach out to him today. Visit EliteBenefits.net or call 708-535-3006. Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. Uh, I'm actually joined by Dr. Joseph Brannigan from Brannigan Chiropractic out of Orland Park, Illinois. Thanks again for joining us, Dr. Joe. Can you share with us a little bit more about what the Brannigan Chiropractic Office is doing and, and, and just a little bit of background on you? Sure. We've been in practice, my wife and I, since 2002. And we opened our chiropractic office over in uh, Palos Hills, and now it's out in Orland Park, like you said, for about the last, I don't know, 15, 16 years or something like that. But we obviously offer chiropractic adjustments and acupuncture and rehab. Um, But the goal of of what we're looking to do, and and we see lots of patients that um, that have had traumas and sports and car crashes and slip and falls and all that kind of thing, but our focus is on managing people's wellness throughout their lives and your life. Like dentists, I, I compare ourselves to dentists all the time um, because they say only brush the teeth that you want to keep. And so it's basically a management problem of, of going ahead and, and getting our teeth cleaned or worked on so that we don't lose them. But 50 years ago, that's exactly, I, I say this all the time too, that the dentist, the barber, and the um, and the uh, uh, butcher were all the same person. They, they're the ones that had the knives and forks, and and they they were yanking teeth out and you know combing people's hair and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But obviously they've changed and said you know you can since we're living longer and that's that's another thing that we talk about a lot of times is is our longevity has totally totally changed over the last hundred years. 
and in a good way, you know, um, but just because we're living longer doesn't mean that we're living more fruitfully or more, more easily or comfortably or anything like that. Um, because they, they say that the average lifespan in 1900 was something more like 50 years. And that's why they, I think they set the, the retirement age at 65 because most people never got there. But obviously that is, that has changed too. Um, and now they say, obviously the average lifespan is somewhere in the eighties for the average American, but that puts half the people above mid eighties. And, and maybe into hundreds. And, you know, we have patients all the time tell us, oh, my gosh, my my grandmother's still alive and she's 110 years old. And, and I, that definitely was not something I heard about when I was a kid. I don't know about you. Yeah, which bring, brings up, I mean, just tying it back to insurance. You know, obviously the insurance companies caught on to this and, and chiropractic and physical therapists were probably one of the first ones to start getting limited. They put caps on uh, the amount that uh, is reimbursed for visits and then even just the number of visits. Isn't that right? Yep. I think um, a lot of times patients will ask up front, you know, does does insurance even cover chiropractic? And I say, well, since the 50s, actually, even Medicare, uh, I think, was one of the first ones that covered it. But they maybe I'm wrong about that, but I, I know it was in the 50s anyways. And there was tons of chiropractic care uh, coverage. And I don't even know if there was any limit, per se, like you were just saying. Uh, I don't think that there was. And in fact, I think that whatever... Um, my colleagues have told me in the 80s, whatever they build out is what they got paid. So, for instance, if they said the, the charge was $65 for an adjustment, then that's what the insurance company paid. And I don't think that the, the patient had a copay. I'm sure they probably had some kind of deductible or something, but I don't think that copays and coinsurances and things were, were the rage. I don't think that that existed whatsoever because there were no there were no collection departments of any kind of doctor's office because whatever was billed was paid. True, true, and and is that's still not that's not true today, correct? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a fraction, and and actually, I think I think when I first got in practice in 2002, I want to say that we were getting paid maybe 75 percent of our practice was insurance, meaning that that anything that we collected was from insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, was 75%, and then the patients were paying 25%, including patients that didn't have insurance and were just paying cash or, or deductibles and coinsurances. And then obviously now I would say it's probably more like 60% is what the patient is paying or patients as a as a group are paying, and 40% is what the insurances are actually paying. Yeah, and I can see that, and uh, I know you and I have talked about that, but I've also seen it with other practices of other chiro- chiropractics that I know where they had to come in with another line of income, uh, whether it was converting some of their patients to cash or adding just mm-hmm. another line in general because the reimbursement rates were getting uh, much lower. And and obviously, uh, the insurance company is trying to limit exposure. And so there could be brainiacs of the uh, of any industry that say, well, I could game the system here and, and make more money. And then it puts therapy and other wellness um, programs uh, with a limit because like chiropractics, um, there's some out there because every industry has them that um, says, hey, you need to keep coming back until the day you die because I need to get paid. Obviously, the insurance companies are smart enough to say, um, you know, what's medically necessary or what, what makes sense that this patient's coming back and forth. And I think United Healthcare, even though um, they've kind of gotten a bad rap over the years in, in chiropractic uh, from a chiropractic provider perspective, but 
Um, one of the things that I think that they do that's very fair is that they tell people up front that they don't cover wellness visits. So as soon as someone's hitting a threshold where um, they don't expect them to make bigger gains in terms of, of a pain scale or a, a functional scale or something like that, then they tell the patient up front in writing. I, I don't know how, how often they tell them, but it's definitely obvious to us. Um, that they want to be measuring those gains. And as soon as they stop, not, not to say that the patient isn't making gains because they still will, um, even six months after somebody gets an adjustment, they say that there's still gains to be had. But one of the, one of the things that United Healthcare has said is that they just don't cover that part of the care, not saying it's necessary or unnecessary. It's just that's not what their insurance covers. And I think at least they're being upfront, you know, and so. I think I think going along with some of what you're saying about um, people having uh, coverage but can't really access it uh, all the way. I think um, that company, but there's a lot of other ones that that are the same way, where uh, patients will say, "I have 20 visits or I have 25 visits this year, and I want to use them all." And I tell them, "Well, that's perfectly fine." And I, I obviously I want you to be able to utilize your insurance, right? But they're not going to, to give you 25 visits for this particular problem right here, right now in December. You know, they're just not going to do it, you know? Sure, sure. And it makes, it makes sense. Yeah, and I, I, I understand. I, I always look try to look through uh, the lens if I were uh, an insurance company. How do we make it easy for them to write uh, a benefit for a patient and, and just make it? make it as easy as possible for them to, to do their job of approving it, you know? And so, like I said, that, that comes along with doing uh, things that make it so that uh, the patient is, is showing what they're telling the insurance company, this is how I'm improving and this is what's going on. So um, sometimes I, I've, I've had patients use uh, different instruments of the industry where um, they're talking about their, you know, their activities of daily living, how long can you sit, how long can you walk, how long can you sleep and read and all that kind of thing. And sometimes patients will say, you know, I feel like you're, you're painting me into a corner having me answer these questions because they don't, they don't apply to what I want. And I said, well, this is just something um, that they use in the industry to try to make it as simple and straightforward as possible. But certainly if you want to write uh, an essay on, on how you're feeling, what's going on, we could submit that too. I mean, that, that would be part of your record too. And most people realize Answering the, the little questions and circling the uh, multiple choice questions is a lot simpler. And that's what I thought. I, I, I'm, I'm into easy and I think this is easy and, you know, try to match it up the best you can. It's not perfect. And no one's saying that it is, of course. But that brings up a good point about, you know, the difference between healthcare um, and health insurance. And and when I talk to even clients, even though I, I a broker of insurance to get people access to make payments to providers such as yourself, if you compare it to any other insurance line, and that's what I usually do, like auto insurance, they're not paying for oil changes or their brake jobs or windshield wipers, or even on the auto insurance, they're not doing, I'm sorry, the homeowner's insurance, they're not doing power washing or AC checkups, but somehow health insurance Correct. got into the world of paying for these first dollar benefits because at one point in time it was affordable and actually, and there was a lot of good, I mean, uh, just as a general mass, providers um, didn't understand 
they just build whatever the cost of their service was, not necessarily trying to gain anything out of it. And then obviously capitalism took place. Not that I'm, I'm against it or for it, but uh, just saying that all of a sudden they found out there was ways that they could take advantage of the system with an insurance company paying for it because they had a bigger purse. And so with somebody writing checks that uh, have more money than you do, uh, it became easier. And then, and then obviously then some fraud comes occur and abuse that uh, we have to deal with today. And then, of course, limitations. But it goes back to the idea that uh, we shouldn't tie the two together because it's all based on the health. And, and my understanding with the chiropractic world or just the you know, back and other body movements in general, pain is the last symptom to show up and it's the first one to leave. And so you could go through the treatment like you had mentioned the insurance company says, okay, for the specific thing, we're only going to give you a certain number of visits to get through it. Patient could say, well, I'm not feeling any more pain. So why do I need to come, keep coming back? True. I, I think that um, like, like people say that there's pain management and then there's, um, you know, people that have a, a bacterial infection. So here's your, here's your antibiotic and make sure you take the whole thing. And people have the same argument there. I feel better. So therefore... Um, the doctor must be lying because I feel better, um, even though they they didn't take the entire script or they didn't they didn't follow through with the entire plan. Um, there's definitely some of that involved, obviously, that that people just say, "Well, I know I know my body, so the doctor's got to be lying." But I think it's like you're saying, it, movement management or management of our bodies throughout our life is our responsibility, and and that's one of the the tenets of of what I try to motivate patients is to say. You know, just because it's healthcare doesn't mean that it's taboo and you can't can't use common sense. You know, um, obviously that's what that's what the insurance companies and and all that kind of thing got themselves involved. Unfortunately, is is that it used to be um, less expensive and people weren't living as long. But um, I think the biggest thing is is that, and I've heard that the the pie of insurance payments has gone. Um, I don't know if it was 25 or 30 percent for the pharmaceutical industry allocation, uh, you know, 50 years ago, and now it's something like 70 percent of of the healthcare dollars are going towards um, pharmaceuticals now. And so you say, well, is it because there's so many more and they're doing so much better for us? And obviously, from my philosophical uh, bend of, of healthcare. Um, obviously, there is a time and a place for medications and all that, but um, I'm talking specifically about how expensive they've gotten that I don't think that that's fair. And obviously, I'm sure you've, you've had other guests on and you've talked about this, that you can go up to Canada and, and, and pay um, a third or a quarter of, of what the, the pharmaceuticals cost in this country. And that's very true. Um, and I, I don't know if I've seen as high as 70, but it's definitely a big, huge number uh, and, a, and a lot of towards those prescription drugs. And there's so many other remedies. Like you said, there's a time and a place for oral medications or any other type of medications that are provided by a physician. But there are so many other ways to handle it, especially you touched on it a little bit, but our bodies are very forgiving. So we take it for granted. And then we need to have a sense of wellness and, and have a focus on healthcare, and it shouldn't be tied to the insurance. No, no. And, and a lot of a lot of the ways I, I describe to people is is it makes sense that we would be responsible for the first part of our healthcare because maybe then we would have a, a better bargaining chip in terms of, first of all, lowering the, the expense of it, but, but then to say, 
Now, this is my responsibility to take good care of this, this body of mine. And if it's going to be around for a long time, I might want to have to use it, you know. And speaking of that, uh, moving into the future of healthcare, besides uh, we'll keep politics um, out of it, but do you see more and more people going to cash paying system? Obviously, it's moving in your industry, but do you see it in other uh, industries as well outside of chiropractic care? I do, yeah. I, I can't remember if you and I talked about this before or not, but the... Um, some of my medical doctor buddies have either been swallowed up by, by the bigger hospital groups, and they say that there probably won't be much of a, of a family practice solo doctor or two on their own uh, coming in the next 15 years or something, maybe even less than that. Um, but the ones that, that do exist will be totally outside of insurance, um, not that the patient couldn't submit it, but that they pay a a fee, a monthly fee to that doctor. They, I think they call it concierge medicine. And, and the, the insurance has nothing to do with what the, the doctor is, the medical doctor is doing with that patient. Um, and I guess it's kind of similar to what happens in, in chiropractic is that we are a little bit more autonomous and people are used to not having um, 100% reliance on the insurance to get what they want. And kind of like in, in other countries where they do have the socialized medicine, people think that the, nobody's paying out of pocket for anything. And I, I have to say, I think, I think there's plenty of Canadians and, and people from uh, Western Europe, uh, England, and so on that come over to the U.S. to get surgeries and things, in fact, because they want to have choices and they want to get the best of the best. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. And I, I agree with you. And there's one thing that uh, learning more from you and other chiropractors that I talk to that what your industry is doing, uh, even though you guys get a lot of pushback, but you guys are doing a lot of great things as terms in terms of wellness. But from uh, from my perspective, from an insurance, chiropractors are a lot more transparent with their treatment schedules. They're a lot more transparent with their schedule of benefits, like as far as what the costs are going to be for each one of the treatment levels, and then um, just how uh, how to get payments made between the insurance companies and how how much you're going to pay out of pocket as a patient. And so there's a lot more transparency. So I, I'm hope I'm ho- hopefully the rest of the industry starts paying attention to what the chiropractic world's um, doing because um, they're moving in the right direction. I think from a consumer standpoint, because there's so much more transparency in how to get access to care that, and and not tying it so much into health insurance. And I think that's a great job. And you, you're obviously practicing that over at the the chiropractic center. Yes, sir. I I think um, some of it probably is not by choice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that- that chiropractors do it that way, but I, you know, I, anybody that's been in practice for a while, they realize, you know, even if, even if you weren't going to discuss it, it's going to become a discussion one way or another. So I, I prefer just to do everything up front because that's the way I want to be treated too. Um, and, you know, just like when you go to the grocery store or anything else, you know, you're making decisions on, on what you want based on what you think that the value is. And I think a lot of times people, misunderstand chiropractic and probably all of healthcare for that matter, um, that they, they think they know what they're going to get, or they think they, they know what they need. Um, but I think that you, most people haven't thought about this particular subject that much. I mean, obviously, you know, your body, and you know, um, what you're experiencing. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm saying more along the lines of, you don't know what's underneath because just like, a a blood test or, a um, 
a blood pressure test, you could say that I, I know that I'm healthy, but I don't know what my key factors are like uh, blood pressure, blood glucose level, or, you know, immune function or whatever. And I think a lot of times people say, but I know my body. So if there's something wrong, it would tell me. And I think um, like we were talking about before, a hundred years ago, plus we didn't live that long. So some of the, the signals about, you know, blood pressure, for instance, um, a chronic high blood pressure, especially if it's only elevated, you know, 20, 30%, it's likely not going to kill you that year or maybe even the next decade. But 20, 30 years from now, for sure, it's done a, a ton of damage and it's not worth not paying attention to that number, for instance, you know. And I think in chiropractic, it's, it's very similar that way that our bodies are really tough and, and can take a lot of abuse, but there's always a price to be paid for it. And um, I'm thinking of a, a particular patient that we have right now that is a mover for a living. And I, if I had to guess, you know, offhand, not looking at his chart, he's probably in his mid to late 40s probably one of the strongest guys pound for pound I've seen. And he's done a massive amount of damage to his neck and lower back um, and looks 30, 40 years ahead of schedule because of all of the traumas and things that he's taken and, and his career and, and different jobs and whatnot. And my point is, is that he, he's not, he doesn't know why, He's got all the problems that he has, but he knows that there's something wrong with him now. But I'm, what I'm saying is all the way along, if, if he had been um, educated or taught that this is what we're supposed to be doing with our bodies, just like our teeth and our blood pressure. So um, I think that that would have prevented a whole bunch of issues that he has now. And like I'm saying, I, I think that I think that 100 years ago, this wasn't such a big deal because we weren't on the planet for very much longer um, after we're 50 or so, you know, but the same thing with blood pressure, it probably wasn't as big of a deal, um, a hundred years ago as well. And, and I don't think too many cardiologists, human cardiologists existed either because not too many people had heart attacks a hundred years ago compared to what, what is now with, with a, a large portion of our population being over 65, for instance. For sure. If, uh, guys like Elon Musk could build us an internal dashboard, I think, uh, we could, uh, figure out things a little bit sooner. And uh, also, when you're you're rounding that 20 mile mark, going over to 30, um, at least we can have a little better better gauge on on if we can make it or not, or or if we need something different. Um, so, hey, Doctor Joe, I appreciate your time and everything you're doing with the industry and your patients. But if anybody wanted to get a hold of you or the practice, how would they do that? Sure, um, our website is brannigancharopractic.com, and our phone number is 708 Four four one three, and we have a uh, Facebook page too. I'm sure if people looked us up, they could find us. But definitely, we're we're interested in keeping people well and and helping people understand what they need to get done to lead a life that's, that's as flexible and, and movable as we possibly can for as long as we can. Great. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Mr. Butch D. Mark, thank you for your time and your uh, attention to all these details, my friends. <laughs>